0: Astonishing amazement. Astonishing amazement. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Um, I have found, um, not too long after we were married, that Kim needed something in her life to help her understand the success of our marriage. And a part of that is uh, knowing the plan. What is the plan? Where are we going and how are we going to get there? And I got to thinking about the plan. You know, a lot of people have different definitions of what the Bible is all about. What is the message of the Bible? Some would say it's the revelation of God. Some would say that the Bible is a story of God's love. But I'm under the condition: is the Bible is the story of salvation? It tells us about redemption. That the, it is the history, the fact of salvation. And so we have this great privilege today to see this element of this story about Mary and her interaction with an angel, which you just read about, and also the choices that she made to go and see her her relative Elizabeth. And we also can see that this wonder is one in which we will discover three things. So first of all, Mary is the mother of Jesus. She was a young woman who lived in Nazareth. We again had just read about the message that the Archangel Gabriel gave to her and what it meant and how it was going to happen, and there was some question about her virginity, and she wanted to know how is this all going to take place? And Gabriel said that it was going to be a supernatural, godly event. And so we see this morning in Scripture what her response was in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the bonds with the Lord. Uh, Be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from there. She agreed to the plan. So Mary travels. She went to see her relative Elizabeth. The Bible says that she traveled from Nazareth to a city, a town in the hill country of Judah. It was some 50 to 70 miles that this young girl traveled. Now, Elizabeth was about five months pregnant with John the Baptist. And there was an intense excitement about not only was this woman, Elizabeth, who was up there in years, but beyond childbearing years, and when she was now pregnant with John the Baptist, and there was a great hope that was given to Mary, or actually to Elizabeth and her husband. And so when Mary came and she announced that she was coming to visit Elizabeth, it was almost like you could just see her walk through the door and say, Elizabeth, this Mary, I'm here. The Bible said that John the Baptist jumped within her womb. There was this excitement, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and very excited that she said this, Blessed among men and women are you. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how was it happened to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? There was an excitement there. There was an exuberance that was there. Something hugely spiritual was taking place. And Elizabeth had a handle on all of this. Mary's wonder. Mary's Wonder, again, is the title this morning. Mary reveals the great depth, knowledge, and wisdom of understanding of where she is in life, her understanding of Scripture, and what God intends to do. You know, what we're going to read is found in verses 46 through 58 in three segments this morning. It was on the spot that she was able to say what she said. You know, there's a, you know, it's so funny how people try to discredit the Bible. I've read commentaries this week oh, looking over this scripture that said, you know, there's no way that Mary could have spouted this off immediately like this. Listen, the Holy Spirit can do whatever He wants in life for people. We cannot put God in a box and say what He can and cannot do. Now, Mary's had a lot of time to think about how she is in life as she walked from that distance from Nazareth to whatever city it was in Judah. She had time to think about this, those 50 to 70 miles. So one thing for sure Mary's wonder, she knew her place. She knew her role in the, in the economy of the kingdom of God. Let's look at the scripture. Again, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 50. The Bible says, and Mary said, on response to what uh, uh, Elizabeth had propounded, uh, so Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. And for for behold, from this generation on on all generations, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation for those who fear Him. She knew her standing. She knew her role in the kingdom. She was grappling how important this was. She says that her, her soul exalts, the Bible says, the Lord. This word exalt, it means to put in a place of honor, the very core of her life. She lifted up the Lord. She said that there's nothing can be compared to the greatness of and the glory and the splendor of God. And her soul rejoices, her spirit rejoices, in God my Savior. Now I'm not too hot on dogging other people's faiths. But this this scripture here discounts the Roman Catholic belief of immaculate conception. It's the idea that Mary was kept free from the original sin in her life then why in the world that she says that her spirit rejoices in God, my Savior? A sinner needs a Savior. She knew that she needed a Savior. She understood that she's carrying the promise of the Messiah, the one who would be the Redeemer. She had a soulish understanding of her humanity. She needed a Savior. She needed a Savior from that current self-centered religious activity of the time. She needed a Savior from the culture and the pressure and the difficulties that were faced by her, individually and nationally. She knew that she had personal sins. She knew that she needed God. And she knew that this child that she was carrying, the promise of the Messiah, would be the one who would present the answer to the need that she had. She needed a Savior. And guess what? So do we. So do we. We don't have to look too far to say, hey, we need some help here. And it's beyond our humanity. It's beyond our resources. It's beyond our personalities. It's beyond our power. Our lives are so constructed and so constrained that we cry out for a Savior. We cry out for a Redeemer. We cry out for the One who will bring us some relevance and truth and some direction. And she says, who am I that I would be so blessed? Do you ever wonder that question yourself? Who are we that we are not only given the power of understanding, the opportunity of salvation, but who are we that we have this this here for us? In our laps, in our laptops, in our handheld phones. We have access to eternal information. This is so humbling. It's nothing that we've ever said or done, that we earn this. But God says, I want you to have this. I want you to know this. Mary was a unique person. She says, I'll be remembered. I'll be remembered. All generations will call me blessed. Mary. She goes on, for the mighty one has done great things for me. The mighty one, he knows me. He knows who I am. He's done great things. But you know what's wonderful about all this? is that God knows. He knows that she knows who He is. Do you understand? Is that God knows you. And if you're a believer, even if you're not a believer, keep this in mind, that God knows you and He knows whether you know Him or not. God is so great to us. Holy is His name. Holy needs to be set aside. Holy means to be venerated. Look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 11. Let's look at this. This is what Moses wrote. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises and working wonder? His name. His name is just It's just not a tag. It's just not, not Craig or Bill or Richard, or Alice. These are labels. But you know what, it's very interesting as we discover in the scripture that names mean things. So God's name represents the attributes, His character, and His reputation. His name depicts Him. And holy is His name. His mercy to generations, to those who fear Him. It goes on and on and on. Remember, this the, the, the message of the Bible is a history of humanity's salvation to the generations coming on. And this puts us in line of what we're doing during this Christmas time. We think beyond the walls of our church. We think beyond the, the, the boundaries of our community, and even the borders of our state and our nation. And we look overseas to the millions of people who do not know Jesus Christ, Psalm 86, verses 9 through 10 says this May we be grasped, may we be gripped with holiness and a sense of worship, what God has given to us to understand. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. And they shall glorify your name. For you are great. And do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Now let's go to the other end of the Bible. To the book of Revelation. And just see what's being said at the very end. Listen. Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 10. John the Apostle. In this vision. He says this. After these things I looked. And behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to His Lamb. Folks, if you're a believer you were there. He saw you. It's all done. God gave him the understanding, the vision to look into the future, to see the very presence and the holiness of God. And we are standing before him singing praises. The white robes represent purity and wholesomeness. The palm branches are reverence. We're called to reach the world. <coughs> The world population right now is 7,662,517,383. What? You want to hear it again? I've been working on this for like two days. 7,662,517,383. Folks, 154,937 people die daily without Christ. 154,000. Let's bring this down to numbers that we can understand. Two people die every second Without Christ. Two people. So it's easy for us to live in such a secure environment in which we do here in the United States of America. We have a military that provides security. We have farmers that provide our provision. Basically, we are people who like nothing. And so often to say, oftentimes, I'm afraid that Americans stand back and say, I don't need anything. I don't even need God. (laughs) But if we hold this word to be true, and I believe we do, because who else would be here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning who didn't believe what the Bible said? Amen. Amen. if people are going to go to hell it's because they didn't know Christ it's not because they're sinners necessarily because we all sin the sin is that they didn't know Christ Uh. we have a job and face it frankly powerfully the blood of this generation's people are on our hands Mm -hmm call. If we believe this is true, then we must do something about this. Well, you may say, Oh, well, I'm too old, I can't go. But really? Can't go across the street? Listen. Eternity's a stake. So we know that Mary knew her place, but we also know God's equity. In verses 51 through 53, Mary goes on to say, But he has done mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought uh, down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and sent away the rich empty handed Mary was smart. That wasn't her last name. I've been waiting to say that, too. (laughs) But she was knowledgeable of Scripture. Did you know there's over 15 quotes of the Old Testament and just this short speech of testimony that she gave? She understood what the Bible had to say. She knew that God was at work. This, This speech, this talk, this sharing that she gave was a great work of theology and literature. In fact, when she wrote, when she spoke about this section of Scripture, it's in future tense. It's like it's already done. God has accomplished these things. Mighty, gauge with his arm. This represents strength, unbounding strength. That Christ can do anything, anywhere, anytime that he wants to. Now, don't think in the times in which we live that we are hopeless people. We must remember the power and the significance of God. And He is not ignoring this moment. I believe that God is at work. I believe that God is going to do great things looking to the next generation. Whether He comes immediately or if He delays, we know that God is at work in our lives. Why are we here? Why do we open our eyes? Why do we consider the opportunities? It's because we know Him. So how does God do these mighty, great things? He breaks up the significance of the proud. The foolishness is all about us. God pays attention. He knows. There will be a day. There will be a day in which those who are proud at heart will be scattered. Foolishness is self-satisfaction, self-centeredness, and self-righteousness. Looking in this tone and we have to grasp the times in which we live too those who are foolish and those who are self-focused they have a dim view of the future or the meaning of the present God also dismantles authorities I was reading my quiet time just this last week I I so enjoy reading Psalms because they're so deep Psalm 2 verses 1-6 through look at this why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a main thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us tear their feathers apart and cast away their cords from us." Foolishness. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. The writer says this, But as for me, I know the king of kings and the lord of lords. Powerful, majestic, glorious. Mary understood this. The Bible goes on to say that He exalts the humbles. He honors and He recognizes those who are humble in heart. The Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's interesting how God turns all these things around to vindicate those who are downtrodden and hurt and brings honor to them in substance of life and hope for the future. The Bible says that He fills the hungry Remember the story of Jesus feeding a 3,000 and a 5,000? Remember the story about how significant that was and that we had more than enough to eat and how God tells us and and when He gives us the Lord's Supper that Jesus reminds us that He is the bread of life, that He nourishes our souls. You see, God is the great equalizer. He's the vindicator. He's the authority. He's the nourisher of our souls. And the last point today is God's promises. Mary's wonder, God's promises. Verses 54 and 55. He has given help to Israel, his servant. In remembrance of his mercy, he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Salvation came through the Jewish race. And we're looking for the continuation of this plan. You see, the birth of Christ was not an interruption, but it was a part. It was the integral plan. It was a time in which God was going to bring revelation to us, who He is, and what He desires in us. So she speaks of the fathers of Patriarch, but she says specifically about Abraham. And looking at... There's a big segment of scripture found in Hebrews chapter eleven that talks about Abraham and how important he was. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. God made a covenant with Abraham, made a promise. He said, This I'll call you, I will lead you, I will promise you an inheritance. I will promise you a son. I will give you a nation. I will promise you a country. I will promise an eternal city. So Mary, this little gal, just reached the marrying age, early teenage years, received this great revelation. She gave a testimony. Listen. A testimony is a very important thing. A testimony does this. It's when one speaks about what they've seen, or what they've heard, or what they've experienced. What Mary has given to us here is a testimony. And the unique and wonderful thing about a testimony is this. Though people may deny what the scripture says, and though people may disagree what you've come to understand, but no one can take your testimony away from you. Mm-hmm. So people could disregard everything that Mary had to say, but Mary knew in her heart what was true. And that's true about a testimony in your life. You see, Mary knew her role in the kingdom. Do you know yours? Do you know what God has said and done in your life that is substantial enough that you can proclaim and you can tell others? Your testimony is important. Though people may deny it, may resist it, may malign it, but they can't take it away from you. Because what's true is true. And what's true for you is true for you. Condition. Mary had a knowledge of Scripture. You know something about Christians? Christians. It's sad that for so many Christians, the only place that they ever read their Bibles is when they're in church. Listen, you will never grow in your faith in your walk with God listening to me tell you what this says. I have 20 minutes on Sunday with you. Well, maybe more. <laughs> maybe a lot more. But like I told you before, you know, it's really cool to go into a store and buy a gold nugget, you know? It's really cool to get like a piece of gold, you buy it in a store. But what's really cool is when you actually find it in a bed hmm. That you get to dig this out, you get to find it and it's yours. Nobody else did the work that you found it. There's something about it, when we dig into the scripture and we get this Aha moment. The Holy Spirit in has inspired us, and what we learn now belongs to us because we discovered it. Let me encourage you to discover the truths of the Scripture for yourself. Know your Bible. Oh, by the way, do you know what number, the number one denomination that the cults draw people away from Christianity is? The number one denomination that has drawn away people that are drawn away? Baptists. Baptists. You know why? Because we don't know what it says. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Mary had an understanding. She knew her place. And just as a reminder... God is a great equalizer. And the last thought, and then we'll close in prayer. Salvation continues. The rolling, moving forward of the revelation, the presentation, and the opportunity for humanity to know Christ continues on. The story is not over yet. So be faithful. Be strong. Mary was a unique person. Huh. One more point. I not you hate what pastors say that. <laughs> but you know, if the if the Scripture was so known by her, you know that it was mentioned in her home. Mm-hmm. You know that she talked about it. God's celestial marriage raise his son. She must have been quite a woman called. A woman of love, a woman of death, a woman of understanding, and a woman who's obedient to God. God is on like Mother's Day. <laughs> Christmas. It's more than Santa Claus. It's more than all those little blow-up things that people have in front of their houses. <laughs> <laughs> this has nothing to do with the Bible. But I sure like it when the wind blows with those things. <laughs> Let's all stand, child. It's good to see everybody It's an Listen, I to just share with you. Renew your commitment to Christ during this Christmas season. If you're not a believer... Days a day of salvation. Don't miss the opportunity for forgiveness and finding the life and the life that Mary experienced herself. She had a testimony that we to So let's pray. Bill, would you close us in prayer, please? Our most kind of gracious Lord, we thank you for this time of coming together, Christian love and fellowship. Be with us through this time of difficulty that we will remember that you are our strength and our salvation through you. Go with us now as we go with our own home, we will take the love of God with us. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen.